We'll turn to read the Word of God in two short passages in the New Testament. First of all, in the Gospel according to Luke and chapter 24 and at verse 45. Luke 24 and at verse 45. The last chapter in the Gospel of Luke and it's the account of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus or his encounter with the disciples. So we'll read from verse 45 down to the end of the chapter. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things. Behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifted up his hands, lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he blessed them, he parted from them, and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him, and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and were continually in the temple, blessing God. Now we turn to the Acts of the Apostles and chapter 1 and uh, beginning a reading at verse 1 down to verse number 11. Acts chapter 1 from the beginning down to verse 11. In the first book of Theophilus they are dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after suffering by many proofs, appearing to them forty days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordained them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John the Bap- John, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Amen. This is God's word, and this is to us uh, these readings from it. We're now going to sing to God's praise on Psalm 68 in the Scottish Psalter, page 303. Psalm 68 in the Scottish Psalter, and we're singing at verse number 16 down to verse 20. Why do you leap, ye mountains high? This is the hill where God desires to dwell. Yea, God in it, for I will make abode. From verse 16 to verse 20 to God's praise. 
Turn back together to the book of Acts and to chapter 1. And we can read at verse number 6. Acts chapter 1 and at verse number 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons, that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so on down to verse number 11. Tonight we want to return uh, to looking at our study of the healthy gospel church and to see uh, what that looks like from the Word of God. And we have taken a journey of uh, seven steps where we have looked at the purpose of the church and followed that right through to look at the ministry of the church and the witness of, ch of the church in First Peter chapter 2. And so we have highlighted the way in which the healthy gospel church functions as the, as the body of Christ, the way in which it is a, a prayerful people, the way in which life is totally dedicated to God and the way in which a group of people bound together in that way in, uh, with faith in the Lord Jesus Christ form together the way in which they 
compose and make up a healthy gospel church ready to serve the Lord in the world and in the community in which it is found. I want to kind of look at completing that study and to do so by looking at the book of Acts and the first three chapters and taking sections from these chapters to show the way in which the church comes together and the way in which it begins to function. When we read this book, we see that Luke is a historian. He wrote the, the Gospel of Luke and he refers to that in the first version. He says, In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands and so on. Luke is a historian who has pulled together for Theophilus the story of the birth of Jesus, of the ministry of, the, of Jesus, of the life and death of Jesus, and up until the, the resurrection. And we read the gospel, the story of Luke, and it's, it's so refreshing and it's so personal and it speaks of personal relationships. It's so involved, and Jesus is so involved with the people to whom, uh, concerning whom Luke is writing. Jesus is a people's person, and he himself, of course, is the great example of what it is like to live as a Christian in the world. And then we come into the book of Acts. It's the second volume of this great historian, and in the second volume, he gives us the story of the church from the resurrection of Jesus into a read about Paul in, in prison in Rome at the end of the chapter. And it's uh, the second volume of a story that's not yet complete because we follow the story of the development of the church from here until we see Paul and Rome, but there is the opportunity and there is the, not just the possibility, but there is the, the next volume that we see happening in the history of the world. And we ourselves tonight, we, we're part of that volume that is being written with the story of the New Testament church. And because of our connection and because of the way in which we do see the church growing from here in the book of Acts as the birthplace and the birthday of the church in a sense in, in chapter 3, we want to focus in and see the way in which we can learn here in these verses from the mission of God and the church in waiting. What does the church look like when the church is ready to serve God and to fulfill its mission of God. I want to see, first of all, that we have preparation. We need to have things in place before we can do anything. It doesn't matter what we're asked to do. We need to have the resources. We need to have the knowledge. We need to have the ability to do what we're tasked to do. And the basic things that we need as the as Christians and as a church who are to serve the Lord, are brought before us in, from verse 3 and verse number 4. And there are two essential things that are part of preparing the people of God to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. And the first of these is the resurrection of Jesus himself. And we, we see the way in which, at verse number 3, Jesus he presented himself alive to them after suffering by many proofs, appearing to them 
during 40 days. You see the focus and the sequence of events here. He presented himself alive to them. He made himself available to them because he is revealing to them that he is indeed alive from the dead. And as the person who does that, he is doing so with many proofs. He wants to spend this 40 days with them to give them all of the compelling evidence to convince them completely with all of the infallible evidence that he will do to them that he has indeed risen from the dead. It is something that he wants them to know. It is something that he wants them to understand. It is something that he wants them to grasp, not just from his, his appearance with them physically, but to grasp the whole importance of the fact that he is here and what that means for them. And we see the way in which, in chapter 24 of the Gospel, the way in which he did exactly that. He stood among them. And, of course, they were frightened when he appeared. They thought they had, they had seen a ghost. And the first proof is there for them not to fear. Behold, touch, see my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. A spirit does not have flesh and blood like I do. There is the fact of his physical presence, there is the fact of, of, the, of the marks of his suffering, and from there he repeatedly appears to them, stands before them, speaking peace to them, and to reinforce in their thinking everything that has actually happened. And when he is doing that, he, he wants to, to, to connect his death with his resurrection which of course simply it is. But the fact is that he wants them to see that he is alive after his suffering. He wants them to understand the relationship between the cross on which he died and the tomb from which he emerged. And only when they grasp the link between these events in his life, only then will they be prepared to go and trust in him, to have faith in him, and to go and to serve him. It's the simple gospel that he wants them to understand. And for ourselves tonight, as we reflect on who we are and where we are, and of God preparing us to, to be the people of God and to serve him as Christians in our own community, we come face to face with the basic truths of the gospel. That the foundation of our own existence as the children of God goes right back to the fact that Jesus died for our sins, that he reconciled us to God, and that he has risen from the dead, and that through his resurrection all the new things that God said he would do are now taking place. And through that moment of, of cross-tomb resurrection, there has been a transition in, in what God is doing and in the very progress of the kingdom of God so that Jesus now, whose work has been accepted by God 
and that shown to us in his resurrection that Jesus now is to be enthroned with glory reigning for his church and that they are to follow him and to trust in the gospel which is made up of his own person and work. And for ourselves tonight, that that simple question with regard to our relationship with the gospel, do we understand the basic truths and how these truths are woven together so that tonight we, we see the progression in God's plan from Jesus in the manger to Jesus on the cross to Jesus in the tomb and to Jesus now at the resurrection. The fundamental things of our faith that we rest in these things prepared by God to be his people. Trusting in him, faith in Jesus Christ, justified by faith. Everything that we have as the people of God is by faith the preparation and the resurrection and we can say that unless the resurrection happened unless we believe in the resurrection then we have no salvation Jesus dies and unless there is resurrection he dies the death of any other person who was crucified but the fact that he is alive from the dead, that's what makes the gospel. And that's what gives us tonight the new life that in our hearts through which we are the children of God. And along with that, in the preparation, there is the very fact of the kingdom of God. We are not saved in isolation. We are not prepared to have the gospel for herself in isolation of what God is doing. And he goes on appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God that may have been seen in the Old Testament as the people of Israel. And we read that story and we see the way in which it's simply not functioning. It's dysfunctional because of those who belong to the kingdom, not because of the person who is ultimately king. But it is the kingdom of God that we have in the vision of God in the Old Testament, that place where the dynamic power of God is bringing people together and forming them as his own church in the world to be his people devoted together to himself. And we see the way in which the promise of the, the coming of the Son of God for example, in Isaiah 9, the way in which uh, to us a, a, a child is born and to us a son is given, the government will be on his shoulder and of, uh, of his peace and the increase of his government and of his peace, there will be no end. And Jesus wants them to, to grasp the teaching about the kingdom of God and to understand that it appears in two ways and in two particular stages and events. He wants them to understand that it is happening now in, in the very way in which he has completed the ministry given to him by the Father. 
The kingdom of God is with you. The kingdom of God, that is the way in which people come under the power of the words of Jesus, come under the power of the gospel, are brought into the submission to Christ as their King and Saviour, who are brought to, to become the children of God, that this kingdom is visible in your life and in mine. If we want to look at where this kingdom is, it is you and me, that's where the kingdom is seen in the world. Jesus Christ is reigning at God's right hand. And his reign is evident in the way in which his people are called by his power, leave everything else behind and come to follow him. It's a kingdom that becomes visible in your life and mine. It's a kingdom that cannot be hidden. It is visible by the very nature of it. And that visible kingdom is a kingdom that ultimately will come to a complete conclusion and fulfillment as we see in the book of Daniel. The son of man who is given a dominion and who is given rule and who is, who is given a kingdom that is that final conclusion of the story of this world as well as the story of the church when the crucified risen Jesus of Nazareth when he returns to this world and when he will stand on the earth in all of his glory it is that kingdom that he wants them to understand and when he talks about that kingdom in Luke chapter 24 he draws their attention to the way in which it does work because there we read that he speaks to them of the need of his own suffering. But that was so that repentance and forgiveness of sin is proclaimed. That breaking of heart that comes by the Spirit of God through which sinners turn away from their sin and do so in the light of God's forgiveness available in Christ Jesus. That's the kingdom working. Repentance, forgiveness, new life. So that they, as the kingdom of God, as they then become visible, and they're reminding them that the name of Jesus will be proclaimed to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Exactly what is repeated here. It is preparation understanding the significance of the cross and resurrection and understanding the significance of the kingdom and tonight as we move on where does the kingdom find us or where does the description of the kingdom where does it leave us How, do we understand that the powerful change of repentance that here in our hearts we're, we're broken because we've sinned against God do we understand the, the power of God's forgiveness that, that corresponds to that and that comes to meet that and that comes to take away that pain and that brokenness and sorrow and that heals up and gives joy and peace with God and do we understand 
that God's kingdom is now in us and that through us it is becoming visible. To see in your life and mine tonight, ah, there is somebody who belongs to Christ's kingdom. I see the power, I see the sorrow for sin, I see the joy in, in Christ's forgiveness. I see the complete way in which here we have a people who are absorbed in the gospel of Jesus and who are given over to live that gospel out in our community, in our world. The preparation. Without these fundamentals, there is no healthy church, there is no church, but with these we have the church prepared. We have the church forming. Secondly, we have a program. And the program is brought to our attention in the face of their expectation. They were so wrong. And we see the way in which they were wrong when we read, uh, uh, jumping forward to verse number six, when they had come together, they've heard all of this. And when they have, when they have come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They haven't been listening carefully. Or if they have been, they haven't understood. They misunderstood. Aren't they so like us? Aren't we so like them? They misunderstood the kingdom. At this time, they could see that certain events had happened. And they're tying these events to their understanding of what the kingdom of God is. And their understanding of the kingdom of God is that the kingdom of God is themselves only as the political kingdom, as the people of Israel. And now because these key events in, in God's program have taken place, they are now thinking that all of God's promises will now be fulfilled and God is going to restore the kingdom to them from the power of the Romans. And you see how serious the misunderstanding was. Their perception of the kingdom was one of complete failure. It was one which left them so blinkered in the presence of their Saviour that they were unable to do anything for him unless that was changed. They were interested, as far as their understanding went, they were interested in their own security, in their own preservation, in their own maintenance, and in coming to enjoy the fullness of Christ's kingdom for themselves. They failed to appreciate what the kingdom was about. And that's such a, a disastrous failure for the people of God and for the church of Jesus in the world, such a disastrous failure that leaves the church of Jesus in the world doing nothing in fulfillment to Christ's command. 
not living the life of the kingdom in the way that it should. And simply not seeing what goes beyond the individual and what goes beyond beyond the existing collective group of the people of God. Where everything that is outside of that is thought to be outside of the kingdom and not to be considered in any way that for them themselves the kingdom is for them alone. We could say that it's a church with walls. It's a church that's built for maintenance. It's it's a church that, that, that has no doors. It's a church that, that wants to just maintain where the people of God are at. And their failure can so often be our failure that we cannot see beyond where we are and preserving what we have got. And it is little wonder that Jesus goes on from there to absolutely rebuke them because they have failed to appreciate or take to heart what he was actually saying to them. And we see that he rebuked them in verse number 7. He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. They were trying to probe into things that had not been revealed. And they, they are asking for things that God has not said he would do because of their failure to, to take in the teaching of his kingdom. They were exploring things that belonged to God only. And in doing so, that was a distraction through which their attention was misplaced and which left their focus away from the, what they should have been doing. And tonight we, we ask ourselves of how we understand the kingdom, of how we understand the kingdom growing, of how we understand our own involvement in that, that we pray every day that we're rescued and delivered from falling into this trap and this failure of losing sight of others and seeking to preserve ourselves. And it is in the face of that failure that Jesus gives them the program. But you, never mind God's secret things, don't get engrossed in trying to unravel that. It's It's not revealed by God. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That is the promise that God will give to them the very thing that they have need of. And the promise that that God gave down through the Old Testament that he will pour his Spirit upon his people in Isaiah chapter 32. That he will pour his Spirit on, on Abraham's offspring on the people of God down through generations. In Joel chapter 2, he'll pour his spirit upon all flesh. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Nothing is going to happen or change 
until heaven comes to them. That's ultimately where we are individually and where we are collectively. We understand that. That ought not to be an excuse for not doing. It is the simple truth that only when heaven comes down to us, that only then can we start doing. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will have the ability to achieve, to do the very things that God wants you to do. There is reference to it in verse 5 with regard to being baptised by the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. This is the great preparation. Preparation for what? We, we think of, the, of heaven coming to earth and of the power of the Spirit of God and that sense of reviving and how we long in our hearts to, to experience that. To have the sense of God with us in his power. And we, we read and reflect on past generations and how God did come down and how the people of God and communities were transformed because of that. This God coming down for a purpose. And the purpose is that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses. And when they ask witnesses to what? And the simple answer to the witnesses and what they're witnessing to is the very person of Jesus himself. You will be my witnesses. You will bear testimony to my things. And what are my things? You will bear testimony to the way in which I prepared you. You will bear testimony to my cross and to, to my death. And you will bear testimony to my resurrection. You will go as first-hand witnesses of everything that has happened. And in that sense, this witnessing is unique to them. You and I simply cannot have that because we weren't there. But for them, they are the witnesses who saw the events firsthand. And that's what Paul tries to, to drive home in 1 Corinthians 15. That he wants to, to remind them of, of the, the very first things of the gospel. That Jesus died for his sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried and that he was raised again on the third day. And that he was seen, seen by Peter, seen by 500 people gathered together at once, seen by James, and seen by Paul himself as one born out of due time. The gospel is based upon the witnesses of the disciples to the resurrection of Jesus subsequent to his death. They have nothing else to testify to, but these two events or these three events and all that these mean in the light of Scripture. You will be my witnesses. And the program is set out for them from Jerusalem where they are to the ends of the earth where we are. 
That that's the very scope of, of God's program. Doesn't stop where they were as they thought. It goes from Jerusalem to all Judea and up north to Samaria. And then it brings it goes out to Rome as we see it in chapter twenty eight. And then it goes from there as the church grows and develops and expands. You are my witnesses to the very ends of the earth. And tonight you might ask, how then can I be a witness if they are witnesses to the events of the cross and death and resurrection of Jesus, having seen these things taking place? We are witnesses because we rest our witness on theirs. And the only witness that we have is what they had. And every witness that the, that the church has, or the Christian has, it, it defaults, it goes back to, to this very fundamental source that we have in the apostles who are witnesses to the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And there is the, the program for them. And because of that program, they are to be a church in waiting. He says to them in verse number four, while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem. Stay where you are. But wait for the promise of the Father, the promise of the Holy Spirit. There's a waiting involved. And the waiting is very important. The waiting reflects obedience to his command to wait, but the waiting reflects their dependence on heaven, heaven coming to them before they can go and be witnesses to his life, death, and resurrection. And tonight, if we understand God's program and what a healthy church looks like in being ready to be witnesses for Jesus Christ, we will understand the gospel, we will understand our need of the help of the Holy Spirit, and we will wait for that to happen. And the waiting is not an excuse. The waiting is an enabling. And through the enabling of the Holy Spirit, we are witnesses. And we are ready, prepared by him. We are mobilized as they were. And we see so much activity once, once heaven came down. And the force and the power of, of the church and of the gospel spreading out from Jerusalem because they were prepared, because they waited, and they were ready when God came down. And tonight that's the challenge for us, to be prepared, to be waiting, to be ready, to be equipped in our understanding of the gospel, of the person of Jesus and his work, be mobilized at Christ's command. And in, in many ways, that 
Command is always there. And because it is always there, we are ready to respond to it. Praying, prepared, and praying for the Spirit of God to rest upon us. It's so important to recognize the preparation, to recognize the, the waiting, because all of things, all of these things together make for successful gospel witness. And it is the goal of the Spirit of God to prepare people of God who are committed to God's mission and who are ready to go and tell and give testimony to the grace that there is in Christ Jesus. And they do that with a great prospect. And as we close, we can see that attention is brought to the, the horizon under which they're going to do all of their waiting and all of their preparing and all of their witnessing. And they are standing with them and he is standing with them and suddenly he was lifted up in verse 9 and a cloud took him out of their sight. He is taken up and we see in Daniel chapter 7 that he comes into the presence of God, the engine of days, with clouds. He is taken up by the presence of God from there. And that very presence of God takes him into God's throne room. And there he is asked to, to sit down. And they are wondering and gazing and taken up with this marvellous event that has taking place before their eyes that Jesus said he was leaving them who said it is to your advantage that I go has now gone and they are reminded as they are gazed are gazing intensely at what has happened why do you stand looking into heaven this Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him Go into heaven. And Luke himself, in the words of Jesus, has spoken of the way in which the, the powers of heaven will be shaken, the way in which people will be fainting because they won't understand what is coming on the world. And then the Son of Man will come in a cloud and in all of his glory. And as we read in Revelation chapter 1, Every eye will see him, even those who have pierced him. And in Revelation chapter 11, we have the great statement that the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdom of God and of his Christ. That's the prospect. That's the horizon. And we rejoice in that because we are involved in a witness and in a program that will be successful like no other program because God is in it and God is over it. And that successful program will bring us to that glorious day when we shall see our Saviour, when he shall hand over the kingdom to God the Father and when we shall be in glory with him as the complete kingdom forevermore around the throne of God with the Lamb of God and all of the people of God.
the mission of God and the church in waiting. May that describe ourselves together and may it describe us individually. And to may we be ready to hear, to learn, to understand and to tell what the gospel means to those who, who so far don't know it and be part of this great divine program. May God bless his word to us. Let us pray. Most gracious God, we do rejoice in you as the God who has made yourself known to us. We acknowledge uh, failing so often understanding uh, what the message of the gospel means and what it requires of us. Bless our hearts and, and challenge us by the, the power of your spirit in such a way as to move us to embrace and to move us to seek to learn and to move us to be ready to serve you in the gospel, O Lord our God. So bless your word to us, we pray, and hear us as we uh, part from one another and go before us, we ask. We ask these things for Jesus' sake. Amen. Concluding psalm is from Sing Psalms, and it's psalm number 22. Psalm number 22, it's on page 27. And we're seeing it from verses 27 to 31. Psalm 22 on page 27 at verse 27. The whole earth will remember him and turn towards the Lord their God. All peoples will bow down to him, the nations of the world abroad. From verse 27 to verse 31, to God's praise.
stand for the benediction. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. Amen.